Book Seven, Chapter Six of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Velwest. Camilla, or A Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Book Seven, Chapter Six A Call of the House. Edgar returned to the parlor with a countenance so much brightened, a joy so open, a confidence so manly, and an air so strongly announcing some interesting intelligence that his history required no prelude. "'Edgar,' said Mr. Tyrold, "'you have a look to disarm care of its corrosion. You could not take a better time to wear so cheering an aspect.' I have just learnt that my wife can fix no sort of date for her return. I must borrow, therefore, some reflected happiness, and none after my children can bring its sunshine so home to my bosom as yourself. "'What a fortunate moment have you chosen,' cried Edgar, affectionately taking him by the hand, "'to express this generous pleasure in seeing me happy. "'Will you repent?' will you retract when you hear in what it may involve you dearest sir my honoured my parental friend to what a test shall i put your kindness will you give me in charge one of the dearest ties of your existence will you repose in my care so large a portion of your peace will you trust to me your camilla with all the ardor of her character, all the keen and quick feelings of her sensitive mind, scarce had Camilla herself been more struck, more penetrated with sudden joy, sudden wonder, sudden gratification of every kind, than Mr. Tyrold felt at this moment. He more than returned the pressure with which Edgar held his hand, and instantly answered, "'Yes, my excellent young friend, without hesitation, without a shadow of apprehension for her happiness, though she is all the fondest father can wish, and though she only who gave her to me is dearer. Felicity and tenderness were now the sole guests in the breast of Edgar. He kissed with reverence the hand of Mr. Tyrold, called him by the honored and endearing title of father, acknowledged that from the earliest period of observation Camilla had seemed to him the most amiable of human creatures, spoke with a warm devotion he sincerely felt for her of Mrs. Tyrold, and was breathing forth his very soul in tender rapture upon his happy prospects, when something between a sigh and a groan from the baronet made him hastily turn round, apologize for not sooner addressing him, and respectfully solicit his consent. Sir Hugh was in an agitation of delight and surprise almost too potent for his strength. "'The Lord be good unto me,' he cried. "'Have I lived to see such a day as this?' Then, throwing his arms about Edgar's neck, while his eyes were fast filling with tears, which soon ran plentifully down his cheeks, "'Good young Edgar,' he cried, good young man and do you really love my poor camilla for all her not being worth a penny 
and will my dear little darling come to so good an end at last after being disinherited for doing nothing and will you never vex her nor speak an unkind word to her indeed young mr edgar you are a noble boy you are indeed and i love you to the bottom of my heart for this true good-naturedness then again and again embracing him this is all of a piece he continued with your saving my poor old rover which is a thing i shall never forget to my longest day being a remarkable sign of a good heart the poor dog having done nothing to offend as we can all testify so that it's a surprising thing what that mastiff owed him such a grudge for then quitting him abruptly to embrace mr tyrold my dear brother he cried i hope your judgment approves this thing as well as my sister's when she comes to hear it which i shall send off express before i sleep another wink for fear of accidents approve answered mr tyrold with a look of the most expressive kindness at edgar is too cold a word i rejoice even thankfully rejoice to place my dear child in such worthy and beloved hands well then cried the enchanted baronet if that's the case that we are all of one mind we had better settle this business at once all of us being subject to die by delay he then rang the bell and ordered jacob to summon camilla to the parlour adding and the rest too jacob for i have something to tell them every one which i make no doubt they will be very glad to hear yourself included as well as your fellow-servants who have no right to be left out only let my niece come first being her own affair camilla obeyed not the call without many secret sensations of distress and difficulty but which mingled with the more obvious ones of modesty and embarrassment all passed for a flutter of spirits that appeared natural to the occasion mr tyrold could only silently embrace her knowing what she had suffered and judging thence the excess of her present satisfaction he would not add to her confusion by any information of his consciousness but the softness with which he held her to his bosom spoke beyond all words his heartfelt sympathy in her happiness camilla had no power to draw herself from his arms but edgar hovered round her and sir hugh repeatedly and impatiently demanded to have his turn mr tyrold gently disengaging himself from her embraces gave one of her hands to edgar who with grateful joy pressed it to his lips my children he then said laying a hand upon the shoulder of each what a sight is this to me how precious a union what will it be to your excellent mother so long and so decidedly it has been our favourite earthly wish that were she but restored to me to her country and to her family i might perhaps require some new evil to prevent my forgetting where and what i am my dear brother i say my dear niece my dear mr young edgar cried sir hugh in the highest good humour though with nearly exhausted patience won't you let me put in a word nor so much as give you my blessing though i can hardly hold and soul together for the sake of my joy camilla cast herself into his arms he kissed her most fondly saying 
don't forget your poor old uncle my dear little girl for the account of this young mr edgar because good as he is he has taken to you but a short time in comparison with me no said edgar still tenaciously retaining the hand parentally bestowed upon him no dear sir hugh i wish not to rob you of your darling i wish but to be admitted myself into this dear respected family and to have etherington cleves and beech park considered as our alternate and common habitations you are the very best young man in the whole wide world cried sir hugh almost sobbing with ecstasy for you have hit upon just the very thing i was thinking of in my own private mind what a mercy it is our not accepting that young captain who would have run away with her to i don't know where instead of being married to the very nearest estate in the county that will always be living with us the rest of the family now obedient to the direction of jacob who had intimated that something extraordinary was going forward entered the room come in come in cried sir hugh and hear the good news for we have just been upon the very point of losing the best opportunity that ever we had in our lives of all living together which i hope we shall now do without any more strangers coming upon us with their company being a thing we don't desire but what's the good news uncle said indiana is it only about our living together why yes my dear that's the first principle and the other is that young mr edgar is going to marry camilla which i hope you won't take ill liking being all fancy me cried she with a disdainful toss of the head though severely mortified it's nothing to me i'm sure camilla ashamed and edgar embarrassed strove now mutually to shew sir hugh they wished no more might be said but he only embraced them again and declared he had never been so full of joy before in his whole life and would not be cut short miss marglin extremely piqued vented her spleen in oblique sarcasms and sought to heal her offended pride by appeals for justice to her sagacity and foresight in the whole business jacob now opening the door said all the servants were come Camilla tried to escape, but Sir Hugh would not permit her, and the housekeeper and butler led the way, followed by every other domestic of the house. "'Well, my friends,' he cried, "'wish her joy, which I'm sure you will do of your own accord, for she is going to be mistress of Beech Park, which I thought would have been the case with my other niece till I found out my mistakes, which is of no consequence now, all having ended for the best, though unknown to us poor mortals.' The servants obeyed with alacrity and offered their hearty congratulations to the blushing Camilla and happy Edgar. Molly Mill accepted, who, having concluded Sir Sedley Clarendell the man, doubted her own senses, and instead of open felicitations, whispered Camilla, "'Dear Miss, I got another letter for you.' Camilla, frightened, said, "'Hush, hush!' while edgar imagining the girl whose simplicity and talkativeness were familiar to him had said something ridiculous entreated to be indulged with hearing her remark but seeing camilla look grave forbore to press his request 
the baronet now began an harangue upon the happiness that would accrue from these double unions for which he assured them they should have double remembrances though the same preparations would do for both as he meant they should take place at the same time provided mr edgar would have the obligingness to wait for a fair wind which he was expecting every hour Camilla could now stay no longer, nor could Edgar, though adoring the hearty joy of Sir Hugh, refuse to aid her in absconding. He begged her permission to follow as soon as it might be possible, which she tacitly accorded. She was impatient herself for the important conference she was planning, and felt, with increasing solicitude, that all her life's happiness hung upon her power to extricate herself honorably from the terrible embarrassment in which she was involved. She sauntered about the hall till the servants came out, anxious to receive the letter which Molly Mill had announced. They all sought to surround her with fresh good wishes, but she singled out Molly, and begged the rest to leave her for the present. The letter, however, was not unpinned from the inside neck handkerchief before Edgar, eager and gay, joined her. Trembling, then, she entreated her to make haste. "'Law, miss!' answered the girl. "'If you hurry me so, I shall tear it as short as can be. And what will you say then, miss?' "'Well, then, another time will do. Take it to my room.' "'No, no, miss. The gentleman told Tommy hard. He wanted an answer as quick as can be. He said if Tommy'd come a horseback, he'd pay for the horse to make him quicker. And Tommy says he always behaves very handsome.' She then gave her the squeezed billet. Camilla, in great confusion, put it into her pocket. Edgar, who even unavoidably heard what passed, held back till Molly retired, and then, with an air of undisguised surprise and curiosity, though in a laughing tone, said, "'Must not the letter be read till I make my bow?' "'Oh, yes,' cried she, stammering. "'It, it may be read at any time,' and she put her hand in her pocket to reproduce it. But the idea of making known the strange and unexpected history she had to relate by shewing so strange a correspondence without one leading and softening previous circumstance required a force and confidence of which she was not mistress. She twisted it, therefore, hastily round to hide the handwriting of the direction, and then, with the same care, rolled it up and encircled it with her fingers. "'Shall I be jealous?' said he, gently, though disappointed. "'You have much reason,' she answered, with a smile so soft it dispersed every fear, yet with an attention so careful to conceal the address that it kept alive every wonder. He took her other hand, and kissing it, cried, "'No, sweetest Camillo, such unworthy distrust shall make no part of our compact.' yet i own myself a little interested to know what gentleman has obtained a privilege i should myself prize above almost any other i will leave you however to read the letter and perhaps before you answer it but no i will ask nothing i shall lose all pleasure in your confidence if it is not spontaneous i will go and find your sisters the first impulse of Camilla was to commit to him immediately the unopened letter, but the fear of its contents, its style, its requisitions, made her terror overpower her generosity, and though she looked after him with regret, she stood still to break the seal of her letter. "'Miss Camilla Tyrol, is it thus, O far too fair tormentor, thou delightest to torture? 
Dost thou give wings but to clip them? Raise expectation but to bid it linger? Fan bright the flame of hope but to see it consume in its own ashes? Another delay. Oh, tell me how I may exist till it terminates. Name to me, O fair tyrant, some period, or build not upon longer forbearance, but expect me at your feet. You talk of the grove. Its fair owner is just returned and calls herself impatient to see you. Tomorrow, then. You will not, I trust, kill me again tomorrow. With the sun, the renovating sun, I will visit those precincts, nor quit then, till warned away by the pale light of Diana. Tell me, then, to what century of that period your ingenious cruelty condemns me to this expiring state? Ere a vivifying smile recalls me back to life. Certainly, Clarendel. The immediate presence of Edgar himself could not have made this letter dye the cheeks of Camilla of a deeper red. She saw that Sir Sedley thought her only coquettishly trifling, and she looked forward with nearly equal horror to clearing up a mistake that might embitter his future life, and to acknowledging to Edgar, the scrupulous, the scrutinizing, the delicate Edgar, that such a mistake could have been formed. She was ruminating upon this formidable, this terrible task, when Edgar again appeared, accompanied by her sisters. She hurried the letter into her pocket. Edgar saw the action with a concern that damped his spirits. He wished to obtain from her immediately the unlimited trust, which immediately and forever he meant to repose in her. They all strolled together for a short time in the park, but she was anxious to retreat to her room, and her sisters were dying with impatience to read Sir Sedley's letter. Edgar, disturbed to see how little any of their countenances accorded with the happy feelings he had so recently experienced, proposed not to lengthen the walk, but flattered himself, upon re-entering the house, Camilla would afford him a few minutes of explanation. But she only, with a faint smile, said she should soon return to the parlour. And he saw Molly Mill eagerly waiting for her upon the stairs, and heard her, in reply to some question concerning Tommy Hod, desire the girl to be quiet till she got to her room. Edgar could form no idea of what all this meant, yet that some secret disturbance preyed upon Camilla, that some gentleman wrote to her and expected impatiently an answer, and that the correspondence passed neither through her friends nor by the post, but by the medium of Molly Mill, were circumstances not less unaccountable than unpleasant. Camilla, meanwhile, produced the letter to her sisters, beseeching their ablest counsel. "'See, but,' she cried, "'how dreadfully unprepared is Sir Sedley for the event of the day, and, oh, how yet more unprepared must be Edgar, foreseeing that such a letter could ever be addressed to me! How shall I shew it to him, my dear sisters? How help his believing I must have given every possible encouragement, ere Sir Sedley could have written to me in so assured a style?' Much deliberation ensued, but they were all so perplexed, that they were summoned to tea before they had come to any resolution. The council of Eugenia then prevailed, and it was settled that Camilla should avoid for the present any communication to Edgar, lest it should lead to mischief between him and the young baronet, 
who could not but be mutually displeased with each other, and that the next morning, before she saw Edgar again, she should set out for the grove, and there cast herself wholly upon the generosity of Sir Sedley, and when freed from all engagement, return and relate without reserve the whole history to Edgar, who would so soon be brother of her brother, that he would pardon the faults of Lionel, and who would then be in no danger himself from personal contest or discussion with Sir Sedley. She wrote, therefore, one line, to say she would see Mrs. Arlberry early the next day, and delivered it to Molly Mill, who promised to borrow a horse of the undergroom, that Tommy Hod might be back before bedtime without any obligation to Sir Sedley. She then went downstairs, when Edgar, disappointed by her long absence, sought vainly to recompense it by conversing with her. She was gentle, but seated herself aloof, and avoided his eyes. His desire to unravel so much mystery he thought now so legitimized by his particular situation that he was frequently upon the point of soliciting for information, but to know himself privileged upon further reflection was sufficient to ensure his forbearance. Even when that knot was tied which would give to him all power, he sincerely meant to owe all her trust to willing communication. Should he now, then, make her deem him exacting and tenacious of prerogative? No, it might shackle the freedom of her mind in their future intercourse. He would quietly, therefore, wait her own time, and submit to her own inclination. She could not doubt his impatience. He would not compel her generosity. End of chapter 6